Thanks for joining us on the JX. You've heard that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. A lot of organizations have good intentions when they start on DEI efforts, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Malia Lazu, an activist, community organizer, and business owner, talks about how to finish the job in the book From Intention to Impact, a practical guide to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Malia, thanks for joining us on the Jefferson Exchange. Thanks for having me. Sure. So From Intention to Impact is part of a series, it turns out, Management on the Cutting Edge. So we should point out this is really directed to the workplace. Yes, yes. Although people make up the workplace, right? And I think a a huge part of my book is actually looking at the behaviors of people um, within a workplace. And I think anyone who's trying to figure out how do you move from the intention of wanting to be inclusive um, to having impact with that intention, this book is it will be helpful. Well, it seems like we're in a period in history when um, uh, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion efforts that were begun after George Floyd's murder are being scrapped or reduced left and right. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. And I also know that that is a, this work is cyclical, right? It, it goes in cycles. And while there's flashpoints where, you know, like a George Floyd um, murder, where the world then focuses on the inequity, um, there's people who are working on that every day, right? Whether it's um, in the mainstream or not. And those of us that do do the daily work, what we know is that, um, you know, you, you get mainstream buy-in um, and then you get mainstream fatigue. And that's just the cycle, you know, and when you have the buy-in, you try to um, work as hard as possible to change processes, right? Change policies um, because you know the fatigue is going to come. And so, you know, I think right now we're at an interesting time where we we not only have the, you know, DEI fatigue, but we also have a coordinated attack, right, of um, of this idea of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and, you know, candidates choosing to use this very idea of DE&I, um, you know, as part of their culture war to run for office. And um, I think that actually, you know, that, that that's hurting um, even and compounding the hurt of DEI. Well, yeah, to that point, I mean, with it being such a such a hotbed in politics right now, criticism of not just DEI, but ESG, the uh, uh, environmental social governance things that corporations do more generally, including DEI, it, it seems like it's there's a lot of pressure not to do this or to scale back efforts that have been undertaken already. Yeah, you know, and, and it's a pressure of a minority of people, right? And I think what corporations are understanding is that voters and politics is a very different group of people than consumers and employees, right? So more people buy Starbucks on the first Tuesday of November than go and vote, right? So as much as Starbucks might want to care about what the politicians are saying to them, in certain ways, you know, Starbucks has more buy-in, right? (laughs) People trust Starbucks on a Tuesday more, right? Um, and what is Starbucks having to do, right? They're, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do with labor practices, right? Um, you know, fighting against the unions that are happening. And so, um, you know, I think CEOs are seeing that it's not that cut and dry, right? Um, if you look at politics, 
um, you're not looking at the American economy, right? You're, you're looking at a subset of people who go and vote. Um, and then when you look at that voting, what you see is that the people wanting to stop DEI and stop the inclusion of LGBTQ or women um, seem to be getting the least amount of votes, right? So even in that, right, it's not a winning strategy for consumers or for employees. And so I think that's why, um, you know, companies are t- taking stands that we haven't seen since the civil rights movement, right? Because um, they haven't been called upon to. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all, um, you know, how it all comes out, um, especially after once 2024 has had its day, um, you know, but smart CEOs understand uh, that they really need to look at the people on the streets, right? Those are the folks that are going to bring their company into the future, not the people who are necessarily voting to ban books. Malia Lazu is our guest on the Jefferson Exchange, the author of From Intention to Impact, a practical guide to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So when you look at, at the realm of places that have embraced kind of um, DEI efforts. Um, you do use the term blackwashing. I don't have to explain what that means. And and point out that many corporations were checking checking boxes on their ESG scorecards. Um, is it better to to not have DEI going on half heartedly? Uh, is it better to not have it than to have it going on half heartedly? You know, I think. I mean, I think we. We need to start somewhere, right? And um, and behavior change. Sometimes you start it half-heartedly, right? I know that's how I start my, um, you know, my New Year's gyms resolutions, <laughs> right? Um, but but the fact of the matter is, is that if if a company is trying to get through a checklist, um, they can use that as a jumping off point or they can, you know, need to revisit that checklist every few years. It's up to them, right? Um, but I think it's if, if what you can do is check off boxes and check off those boxes, but also understand that when you're checking off those boxes, um, you're not necessarily being genuine and that can, that is a reputation risk. Ah, okay, so, right? so um, some element to fake it till you make it here, but at some point you got to get real. That's right. That's right. And that's why, you know, in the book, I, I lay out these seven stages, right, that I see companies go through. And like the first three, you know, into the fourth stage are about, you know, you sign a pledge, you get excited, you do a training, right? Um, and that's that checkbox, right? A lot of companies, right, they, they'll come out with a great press release about, you know, we've made a commitment, but then you never get the press release about the receipts, right, <laughs> about what happened to that commitment. Um, and that's because stage four, five, and six are all about getting through pushback, right? And when people come up to you and say, well, you know, as a straight white man, am I going to be irrelevant? Are we going to hire less qualified people? Because right, they start asking these questions, right? People in middle management maybe start rolling their eyes a little bit, right? And, and you really have to get through that pushback. And I think what corporations have um, is this, we understand, corporations understand what they do. They make money, right? That That's their goal. And corporations will tell you, right? CEOs will say, well, my responsibility is to my shareholders, and that's why I, I have to pollute lakes or whatever it is, right? Um, and if that's true, then what we see is that diverse teams in businesses are 34% more profitable, right? Um, City Group estimated that bias is costing our economy $14 trillion. So, you know, maybe not in charity, maybe not in a church, but in a corporation that is made to, that, that is there to make money. And I can debate whether that's right or wrong, right? But that's what they say. Mm-hmm. 
um, if that's your goal, then you should be wanting diversity, right? Because the data is showing you that you make more money when you have diverse teams than not. Well, you went straight to the to the part of the seven stages I wanted to ask about for sure, because on the stages are uh, one, feeling excited relief, two, learning about the problem, three, taking action on low-hanging fruit, four, denying there is pushback, five, realizing the pushback is real, six, realizing the pushback is bias. Four, five, six seem to be the big ones, the places where you, you encounter some really hard truths about the place you've set up. That's exactly right. And that's why so many people stop at four, right? Because to get to five or six is to admit that you're not as inclusive, right? That this idea of, um, you know, hegemony, right? Whether it be, you know, white, straight normativity, right? Able-bodied normativity, um, that that really sits in your culture. And when you feel your culture pushing back, it doesn't feel good, right? you, You want your friends to like you. Right. You want your tribe to be happy. And so when parts of your tribe start worrying about their own relevance, sometimes it's easier to just stop. Right. Um, And, you know, I talk about in the book, you know, CYA. Right. Cover your can you say that cover your butt behavior. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and this um, if I do nothing, I do nothing wrong. Right. Those two philosophies, which are really prevalent. Um, in corporate bureaucracies really hinder the self-reflection a culture needs to get through um, the the stages of pushback. Well, and that is stage seven, deciding to move around and through the bias. It's going, okay, well, I, we, uh, now, now we see what we are dealing with here. Let's keep pushing. That's right. And, you know, a great example of, um, you know, I, I think of where we did this well and responded, although nothing is fixed, right? We want to remember that, right? Like we can do something well and still have injustice, right? We, we want to remember that. But, you know, when we look at the Me Too movement, right, um, not only in high profile, right, but there were a lot of high performing employees, executives, managers who were removed, right, because it was unacceptable, to harass women in the workplace, right? It became unacceptable. Um, And there are moments, right, where you see corporations and, you know, and I think, I mean, I'm I'm sure back in the 80s and 90s, right, every decade, there were examples of companies becoming more intolerant to sexual harassment, right? And the Me Too movement is the latest example of Mm -hmm. being like, yep, sorry, Matt Lauer, right? Like, you got to go. Um, and that's not something, right, corporations normally don't move out their money people, right? Um, and so, you know, the idea that you can make definite decisions to work through the bias, right, to say, no, we're going to protect women, we're going to protect people of color um, within our culture, um, it has been done and it can be done with other things as well, not just Me Too. And, it, and, more, and we still have to do more of Me Too, right? Like, that was one of the things that was so hard about writing this book, you know, because you need to talk about examples, right? But no one in corporate America really gets a gold star for me, right? And, um, and, and no one corporation is going to fix this problem. Um, but we will get better at it every generation. Malia Lazu is our guest on the Jefferson Exchange, the author of From Intention to Impact, A Practical Guide to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. In about three minutes, I want to be able to get the, the intention of the title in here in the story you tell about Walmart intending to observe Juneteenth in 2022 with ice cream. What went wrong? 
Walmart decided to put out a Juneteenth ice cream, um, which I'm not mad at, by the way. It was red velvet cheesecake. You know, it sounds delicious. Um, but it missed the mark in this idea of the, the intention was to be inclusive, right? Like, yay, right? People celebrate Juneteenth. You might as well have an ice cream and let's make it a culturally relevant ice cream, right? Red velvet. Um, and then on the cover, you know, were these different color hands making fists and, you know, like cartoon hands making fists. And, you know, it talked about honoring the contribution. And, you know, Juneteenth is a very solemn, sacred holiday um, for for the black community and, and one where we really focus on how we were left in bondage, right? Um, for, for longer than we should have. Um, and, you know, this idea of, you know, ice cream from Walmart was just, it, it was going to miss the mark. Um, and it did miss the mark. And um, it's that, you know, that example, as I was writing this book, was really just a perfect one. You know, I also talk about the Pepsi, Kendall Jenner ad, you know, where oh. these companies decide that them talking about it is enough. So they go in with their own tone deafness. And produce things that end up provoking um, a negative response from the very community they're trying to include. Uh, we uh, I do want to get we talked about the uh, the seven stages from intention to impact. I do want to make sure we get the three L's in too because these are really important. That's right, and you know the three L's are a great way to when when you to avoid that tone deafness, right? And and the three L's was a process that we came up with. Because so many folks, you know, are, we, we want to get into this community. How do we do it, right? Um, you know, we want to support. How do we do it? And? And, the, um, and this process is really how do you get into right relationship, right? How do you not be, you know, cultural, um, you know, cultural competency, right? Um, you know, if ever you travel anywhere, right, you look up what are the norms, the mores, right? What should I know um, when, when I come into a different country? And I think we forget that sometimes our communities can be more foreign, right, than, um, than other communities. Um, you know, people might be more comfortable in Europe than walking around some neighborhoods in the U.S., right? So, so listen, so learn, idea, and take loving action. Those are the yes. L's, yeah. And, and so this idea of first listen, listen to what the community is saying. Don't say anything. First, just listen. And then once you've heard what they're asking for, then you go in and you learn with the community, right? And then the last piece, you take loving action, not just action. You know, and I think Juneteenth is another great example of this, right? The Juneteenth holiday was given after George Floyd was murdered, but that's not what the community was asking for. The community asked, was asking for a police reform bill, right? So if you think that the Juneteenth holiday in some way helped black people heal, that's probably not true, right? Because it, it wasn't part of the equation. And if you listened and learned, loving action wouldn't have been Juneteenth, right? So mm -hmm. um, the three L's can really help you understand what a community is asking for and how you can help support that. There is so much to the book, and we've uh, had uh, not enough time to, to touch on it here, really here. But it's called "Intention from Intention to Impact: A Practical Guide to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion." It's the work of Malia Lazu. Thank you so much for joining us on the Jefferson Exchange. Thanks so much. Short break on the JX. Angela Decker is up next with Nikki Payne. This is JPR.